Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good day. This is a public service announcement from the FA. Due to recent criticism of our disciplinary procedure, we would like to clarify the following offenses for which one can receive a three-game ban for violent conduct. Raising one's hands, three-game ban. Lightly brushing your fingertips on an opponent's face, three-game ban. Aiming a kick at an opponent but kicking only the air, three-game ban. Stamping between somebody's legs, three-game ban. Swinging a punch at somebody and missing, three-game ban. Touching your head lightly off another player's head. Three-game ban. Stamping on somebody's chest while they're lying on the ground. Three-game ban. Kicking a player in the head. Three-game ban. Unless, of course, you are the England captain and threaten not to go to the World Cup, in which case a no-game ban will be applied. Breaking somebody's leg and fracturing their ankle with the bone coming out of their skin and their foot turned the wrong way. Three-game ban. Tripping an opponent, then putting him in a chokehold until he turns blue. Three-game ban. Kicking an opponent in the ball so hard he starts to bleed out his mouth, then soaking a rag in the player's own blood and forcing it down his throat whilst anally violating him with a stick. Three-game ban. As you can see, the system is fair and equitable. You can rest assured the FA always has the best interests of the game at heart. Now, if you don't mind, we have to find a way of adding an extra league game to the season while throwing a get-well-soon-you-poor-poor-chap party for Martin Taylor. Good day to you. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com in association as always with Oleole.com, the football community website. Coming up on this week's action-packed show, and it is action-packed. There's all kinds of stuff going on, and I think it's quite a long Arscast as well. I think. Uh, I've only just started, but I just get this feeling. Feeling, yeah, it's going to be long. Uh, coming up, Good Player from GoodPlayer.com to talk about Eduardo, the FA, discipline, etc., etc., and looking ahead to the uh, game at the weekend. Uh, the man in the bar will have a player history. Uh, I talked to the FA about um, what's gone on with Eduardo and the and the uh, ridiculous notion that Jeremy Aliadier gets a three ma- a four match ban indeed, while Martin Taylor gets a three match ban. Uh, Aliadier did very little. Martin Taylor broke somebody's leg. Delivered or not, he still broke somebody's leg. So I, I talked to the FA and asked him a couple of questions about that. Uh, what else is coming up? Uh, Talkshide Radio is here, Abue is here, and uh, I don't know, other stuff. You know yourself, other stuff. There's always other stuff, except for the weeks when there isn't. Now, I suppose we have to start with what's happened since the last Arscast, and uh, that, of course, means having to talk about Eduardo. 
I suppose the first thing that we want to do is wish him all the very best. I know everybody's done it. There's been over, what, 25,000 messages sent to arsenal.com in support. And uh, I believe they're going to get them all together and get a book for him. It was absolutely horrible to see one of our players uh, so badly injured. And you could see how it affected the other players as well. They they saw the uh, they saw the damage firsthand. They could see his foot was on the wrong way around. And um, having broken my arm one time and, and getting out of a car that I crashed in and getting out of the car and going, oh, look, I've got an extra elbow. Where did that come from? Oh dear, my arm shouldn't be facing that way. It's kind of painful. I believe he refused morphine on the way to the hospital and at the hospital as well, even though he was in such pain. He's mad. Morphine is brilliant. But in those circumstances, obviously I'm not advocating the use of morphine on a daily basis, but when you have limbs on the wrong way, I suggest it. I recommend it. Highly. It makes everything go away. Anyway, he went off to hospital and and the quick thinking of Gary Lewin and the medical attention that he got um, so rapidly, probably, uh, according to some reports, saved his foot. He could have been talking about amputation. It did look at first like a double compound fracture, which, uh, given the uh, research that I did, it it probably would have meant the end of his career. Now, though, they're hoping he'll be back in, in about nine months' time. The challenge itself... It was horrible. I thought um, I thought the media reaction to the tackle was um, was nowhere near as strong as it should have been. They chose instead to focus on William Gallas and Arsene Wenger's call for Taylor to be banned for life, which he uh, obviously retracted very quickly afterwards because the comment was made in the heat of the moment. But it gave them a chance, it gave the media a chance to ignore the issue of foul play and how punishments are dished out. And it doesn't seem fair that Martin Taylor should only get three games for breaking somebody's leg. I accept fully that he did not mean to break Eduardo's leg. I don't believe any footballer would go out, you know, specifically with the intention of breaking somebody's leg. However, however, most people who drive a car, for example, don't go out with the express intention of crashing into another car. But sometimes you're careless or you don't pay attention or something happens and you do. And you're responsible for that. And it should be the same kind of thing on a football pitch. If you go in with your studs showing halfway up a player's leg, no matter how quick he is for you, and you break his leg, then you should be prepared uh, to suffer the consequences of that. A three-game ban is quite ridiculous. Considering that Jeremy Aliadier, and this is a point that will be made throughout the show, got a three-game ban for touching Mascherano on the face, then an extra game, an extra game, for a, a frivolous appeal, according to the FA. Madness. He gets four games for nothing but for violent conduct, and Martin Taylor gets three games for actual real violent conduct that caused serious damage to a player. That system is not correct. It's not fair. It, it, it doesn't work. How can anybody who follows football look at what Ali Adier did and what Taylor did and draw any kind of parallel between the punishments? It's just, it's, it's bizarre. It doesn't make sense. So with that in mind, I, I rang up the FA, their customer service department, and uh, spoke to a guy and, and put that to him, that it wasn't, you know, it just didn't make sense. Ali Adier, four games for nothing. Martin Taylor, three games for smashing somebody's leg and putting them out of the game for nine months. Here's how it continued. I can see the, the, the point you're making. So the, the bottom line is we have to treat each case on, on its merits. The, um, the referee has obviously dismissed Martin Taylor um, for his challenge on Eduardo. Um, he, he's deemed it violent conduct. It's extremely difficult to, to prove any malicious intent, only in extremely se- exceptional circumstances. And the example I'll use is Ben Thatcher's. Um, it, it has the FA got the option open to it in order to offer it an additional sanction. 
Um, as I said, we have taken another look at the, the Martin Taylor challenge, and we, we won't be. Um, as I said before, it's extremely difficult to, to prove any malicious intent, and on that basis, we won't be levying any further sanction on, on Martin Taylor or Birmingham City for that challenge. Okay, and uh, I, I do appreciate the point you're making uh, in terms of degrees of violent conduct, um, but the bottom line is both both players were dismissed from the field of play for the for, for violent conduct, and both will face the same ban. Sure, well, I mean, when you say you know you you look at each case on its merits, I'm not sure that's that's true because what happens is that each case is given the same, whether it's violent conduct that breaks somebody's leg or whether it's just somebody raising their hands to somebody's face, it's not dealt with on its own merits. It's dealt with by an automatic three game ban uh, as per violent conduct. Do you not well, think, as I said before, I me mean, with the in serious circumstances, and as I say, we took that line with with Ben Thatcher. Um, but the FA has the option to, to levy an additional sanction. We have reviewed the, the Martin Taylor challenge, but um, we we won't be taking further action on that basis. Uh, so as I said before, it, it's very very difficult to, to prove malicious intent. Now, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily talking about malicious intent either, but the, the, the consequences of his foul, whether deliberate or not, uh, have put a player out of the game for nine months. What Jeremy Aliadier did, uh, if that merits, if both those incidents merit three game bans based on the rules that are in place, then there's something wrong with the rules. We, we don't offer or we don't uh, ban players on the basis of, of injuries caused. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible injury, um, but it's quite innocuous challenges can cause serious injuries. Uh, unfortunately, that, that's the nature of the game. Um, our, our disciplinary sanctions, as I say, aren't based on, on injuries inflicted. All right, so there'll be no plans to have um, any kind of discussion or, or thought about making the uh, the violent conduct because it covers a spectrum of of, uh, of offences. There would be no plans to make that uh, like a sliding scale, for example. We review all of our procedures from from season to season when there were no produced um, for the coming season. Um, now, if in, in discussions with with the game, and obviously we, we take sports' views into account. And that, that's one of the points that's raised, and obviously we can look at that. Okay, how, how, would a, how would a supporter or how would a group of supporters go about raising that to the point where it becomes uh, something that would that would reach the discussion table as opposed to as opposed to just put in a pile somewhere? Well, through the customer relations team here, obviously we take details of, uh, of supporter feedback. We have regular discussions with um, supporter organisations such as the Football Supporters Federation, um, and supporters direct, um, but also through clubs, uh, officials, the league managers association, the leagues. As I say, it all gets reported back, um, and amendments are tables. Um, but it, as I say, I'm more than happy to take your details here. We use your feedback as a way of gauging public opinion and feeding that back internally. Okay. Um, and as I say, we, we, we take any proposed changes to uh, to the one. Well, to the laws of the game, sort of that comes under FIFA, but to our FA regulations, seriously, we'll always consider anything that's, um, that could be for the benefit of the game. So there you go. Uh, no plans to make any changes to the disciplinary uh, procedures. And if uh, fans or supporters groups want anything done, then I suppose they're going to have to contact the FA. There's only so much you can do by sitting around listening to me complain about it. But if people get in touch with the FA, perhaps it might make a difference. Doing nothing won't make any difference. But doing something might just make a difference. If you do want to contact the FA customer relations team, you can do that. It is a UK number, so it would be 
plus four four if you're calling from outside the UK. Inside the UK, it's then two zero seven seven four five four five four five. So that's uh, plus four four two zero seven seven four five four five four five. There's no point being angry. There's no point giving out to the people at the end of the phone. They're just customer relations people, and they're there to uh, to listen to you. So if you've got a valid point to make, ring them up and make that point and see if anything can be done about it. Um, we'll continue this whole thing now in a few minutes uh, with Good Player from goodplayer.com, and we'll talk a little more about the disciplinary side of things and Eduardo and obviously the, the events of the Birmingham game. But right now, the man in the bar is here, and he's got a player history. Hello again, it's me, the man in the bar, back once again with another player history on the Arscast. Thanks ever so much for all the feedback last week on me seeing in the old culture corner, yeah, I knew some of you'd like that. Yeah, I'm even thinking about releasing my own album, so I am. True, getting an old album out there, the man in the bar sings advertising classics like, get load of this one. You do the shaking back and put the freshness back. Do the shaking back and put the freshness back. When your cabin feels fresh, you're rev- Sorry. Gotta be kind of made myself here. But you see, could you imagine that to a techno beat? Oh, awesome it would be. All the kids would love it, so they would. They could be all taking them ecstasy capsules and having the free love with the man in the bar. And as uh, audio accompaniment, of course. I wouldn't get involved in any of that hijinks or, or naked shenanigans. No, thank you. Well, yes, please, but you can't appear to be too desperate, can you? People who think you'd settle for any old thing. Which may or may not be true, but it's entirely irrelevant to the real reason I'm here, which is, of course, to give you a player history. This week, it's another one of my old countrymen. We've done a few of them before, but this fella is called John Devine. You see, Arsenal got a box of Irish players back in the 70s. One day, this package arrived outside Highbury. Big, huge package, and they opened up, and there inside was Liam Brady, David O'Leary, Frank Stapleton, and John Devine. It's true. Nobody knows who ever sent it, but we're thankful, for the most part, that they did. Anyway, he was a bit of an old fullback playing on the right back and sometimes playing on the left back. But he had Pat Rice and Tammy Nelson in front of him. By God, that was hard going. But when Pat Rice left for Watford, it looked like he'd make the position his own, playing most of the games in the 1980-81 season. However, he got injured and lost his place to John Hollins. This came as a terrible shock to him. So to make some more money, he decided to put on a lot of weight and become a drag act in the United States, going only by his surname, Divine. He starred in many films with legendary director John Waters. Then he joined Stoke City, and after that, Shamrock Rovers. And then in 1991, he signed for an Indian side called East Bengals. It's true. They didn't pay him in money. He got a free tiger every time he scored a goal, which he sold to poachers to make lots of money. Nowadays, he lives in Ireland, and he works for Manchester United as a bloody scout for them, the cunt. But the only thing he's ever sent him is John O'Shea, so we'll forgive him. It's true. More from the man in the bar on next week's Arscast. It's a terrible thing he's threatening. This album of... Uh, 1970s and 1980s ads he'll do it as well he had another idea which was to do a, a cover versions album which was all power ballads 
like Hart alone and uh, John Farnham, you're the voice and stuff like that. I'm really trying to talk him out of it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have the influence. So brace yourselves; it it could be happening. Uh, still to come, a buet. Also to come, uh, Talkshide Radio. But now we'll go back to what we were talking about uh, and discuss the events of last Saturday and Eduardo and the FA and discipline and all that uh, with Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. Hello, sir. Good morning. I think we should begin by talking about uh, Eduardo, obviously, and, and Martin Taylor and the incident that happened uh, uh, last weekend at Birmingham City. Well, I suppose we can all accept the fact that Martin Taylor didn't go out to deliberately break Eduardo's leg. The, the fact is, his challenge did just that. Uh, and we're now faced with the situation where Taylor gets uh, a ban of three games, while Jeremy Aliadier, for uh, a trifling offence, is, is going to spend four games on the sideline. Um Something has to be done about the disciplinary side of, of the game because uh, unless it is, uh, then we're going to see more incidents like Eduardo, I think. Well, well, what's the point of being careful when you go into a tackle like that if you know the worst is going to happen is you're going to get three games? Mm. And what's the point in being careful when you know that you can also get three game, a three-game ban for something as pathetic as what Ali Adier did or, or any other number of stupid things off that you come that you commonly see. So that if nothing else, it needs to be a deterrent. And it's just to restore credibility. There, sh- there has to be some kind of sliding scale. I mean, what kind of a, a justice system doesn't have that? I spoke to the uh, to the FA and they had a look at the Martin Taylor incident and they said that in their view it didn't warrant any further action. And they, they cited the Ben Thatcher incident, um, the elbow on Pedro Mendes, saying mm. that uh, when the situation merited it, they were uh, available and they would give out more lengthy bans. But um, it's not just about uh, one incident like the Thatcher incident. When you see uh, incidents like Ali Adier, like Petrov, for example, sent off in the week for nothing much as well, that uh, I read something on your blog, and it was a very uh, very interesting point, that a red card or yellow card should only be used to uh, dismiss a player from the game, and then afterwards... Uh, based on a series of criteria, the, the the punishment, the length of time that a player is going to spend out could be judged by some kind of disciplinary committee. Well, exactly. First point is to say that the FA only ever respond when there's an, a massive media outcry. If you remember last year when United beat, I think they beat City um, at the Stadium of Light through mm. Ronaldo, at, at Manchester City through Ronaldo's penalty. But the, the assault by a ball on, on Ronaldo that day um, was just absolutely criminal would have landed him on a GBH charge or something in in the real world and they did absolutely absolutely nothing there on that occasion um, and you're quite right I think it's the current system whereby the referee is almost responsible for giving out bans is, is absurd because I mean it's, it's a bit like taking someone to court and then not relying on CCTV evidence mm. just- here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Having a, a good police and standing there going, oh, I think this is what seems to happen. And it, it just makes no sense at all. There's a credibility gap because referees are only human. And how on earth are they expected to see everything out of their two eyes? Um, as well as the cameras are going to. So then when you make, then when we're all looking at the camera, the video replays, um, and, and yet the punishment is being imposed based on what the referee has seen in that instant with a million other things going on, how is it ever, go, how's it ever going to work well? The, all the referee can do is make the wrong decision. He's never going to be able to make a better decision than what was the right decision than what he made at the time. And you can, you can applaud him for saying, oh, he saw that very well. But ultimately, he's not going to be able to do the job any better than the camera can. Um, so I, that's what I would do. I would, uh, I would just say that the ban should be given out completely retrospectively. And also that would wipe out diving in an instant. I mean, you know, it would just go if you knew you were going to get a three-game ban because you'd be cited after the game for diving. You would not dive. So why is it that the, I mean, this is all making perfect sense to me and I'm sure to everybody who's listening. So why is there such a reluctance on the part of the FA to, to take into account uh, these, these methods of dealing with, with, uh, with foul play, with diving, etc., etc.? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not a football journalist. I don't know them intimately, but I get, I get the impression that they do. They almost engage in firefighting where whereby they'll, they'll basically try to tread water and deal with, deal with the very urgent stuff that a load of pressures put on them. But no one there seems to have the actual foresight to actually do, do things that are really, are really properly going to make a difference and just, just make the game a bit better. I mean, we all love watching football, but it's just, you know, it, I don't think anyone likes the current situation, um, particularly with, you know, the, the antics that go on on the pitch. Um, and if players were, knew they were going to be punished afterwards, whether it be for terrible tackles or, or whatever, or diving... Um, I think they'd just stop, and it would just make football a much better game, and it wouldn't even it wouldn't even slow the game down because you wouldn't be using video replays in the game, mm. uh, which is one of the major arguments that people have with with technology. Speaking of media, well, what did you make of the reaction? Because obviously Arsene Wenger was was upset after uh, the Eduardo incident and and called for a life ban for Martin Taylor. Almost immediately afterwards, retracted that. Um, but there seems to have been more focus on what Arsene Wenger said and then retracted, and also William Gallas's reaction, petulant as it might have been, and and. Uh, uh, wasn't particularly nice to see from an Arsenal point of view. Um, it was much easier, it seemed to be much easier for them to focus on those things than deal with the issue of dangerous play in football. Yeah, well, I mean, we can, we can talk about the, the Gallus thing in a minute, but um, if, if you just imagine, let's just, this, this scenario's got a few ifs attached to it. The first if is that England had actually qualified for Euro 2008, um, and the second if is that that, that had been Wayne Rooney, and he'd just been laid out of 2008. If, mm. you're, if you're trying to tell me that we'd be going around saying, what well, poor little Nico Cranchar or whatever some Croatian, I think he's Croatian, isn't he? Uh, whatever Croatian defender just laid Wayne Rooney out of, two, out of Euro 2008 with a tackle like that. 
I think there'd be absolute outroar and uproar and outrage in this country. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, I thought the reaction was incredibly sloppy. I mean, you know you're going to get certain headlines and Wenger sells papers a lot better than uh, than than Martin Taylor does, who I'd, I'd never even heard of him before the game, to be perfectly honest. But, um, um, but, but that doesn't excuse the reaction, which has just been so sloppy. You know, it's really... I mean, match of the day, just sit there and it's so sloppy that the, they are so kind of snug in their in their little cocoons world and it's the same cliche it's the same rubbish there have been I think two decent articles all week um, by James Lawson who you might not always, we don't always agree with him mm. a lot of Arsenal fans but he has, has won quite a few awards and you kind of could see why and his uh, ability to actually stick his neck out and tell it how it was um, and Martin Samuel who again is, is uh, does very very well um, at the times and it was it's been it's been surprising how few people have actually been able to just stick their head above all the rubbish and say, look, no, he wasn't trying to kill him. No one's trying to say he was trying to kill him. But it wasn't a good tackle and there is an issue to be addressed. And it, yeah, it was pretty pretty depressing, the media reaction, frankly. What, what about the Gallus incident coming back to it? Obviously, uh, your captain, I suppose, has to lead on the pitch. And while there's still football to be played, he should have been, um, he should have been around where the penalty was being taken. But when we take into consideration, and I was critical of Gallus, but when we take into consideration he spent much of the week with Bakary Sanya, whose brother died uh, the previous week, he's then seen uh, Eduardo with his foot backwards. He's seen the referee give a penalty. Uh, that wasn't really a penalty. Can we put his reaction down to just a, a cumulative reaction to a lot of extremely emotional incidents? Um, we can. I mean, we, we all forget that Manchester United had an extremely emotional reaction two weeks ago to a lot of strange circumstances when they lost to Manchester City in the, on the whole Munich occasion. So it does happen. Look, I think, let's, let's be honest here, it was not a good moment for Gallas. Um, he didn't do what he should have done. I think he'll know that. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, but the, the thing about the people who say Gallas is going to cost him this season, he should never have made Gallas captain, he should strip the captaincy away. Utter, utter tosh. William Gallas has been a superb captain this season, and I'm the first to admit that I was uh, wrong about him at the start. But if you if you actually go to the games and you watch him pre-game, and he stands there, and he's still doing this against Milan, which, by the way, I thought, and I think anyone who actually watches Arsenal the whole time thought was a very good performance. Um, against Milan, he was standing there before the game with the players, really laying down the law, really, really focusing them, getting them so focused. And at the end of every game, He's the last one off. The, he's often the last one off the pitch, applauding the fans. He was against Milan. He scored some crucial goals. I mean, I know Manchester United mocked us at the Emirates when we celebrated that equaliser in November, like it was enormous. But actually, that 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 one shot by Gallas was worth three points if you look at it because it it gave us one and it took two off them. He has been vitally important. He's made one mistake. Tony Adams went to jail for four months, <laughs> crashing his car into a wall drunkenly. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on, Gallas has made one mistake. And the thing that I think about Birmingham, about the Birmingham game, what should, it was a very emotional set of circumstances with Eduardo. And also, when they got that penalty, I think there was a slight thing that suddenly said, in all of our minds, because I think we're all quite traumatised by it, we suddenly said, oh, shit, this is not what is meant to happen to teams that win titles. Mm. We're meant to get these kind of last-minute penalties. And suddenly you get a little bit of a doubt in your head, and you start to worry. But... Gallas, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll be totally hopeless against Aston Villa. But people forget, Gallas has been there and he's done it. And he knows what it takes. He's made one mistake. 
All right. Uh, let's look ahead quickly then to Aston Villa. Obviously, our striking options um, are, are, are the main focus. We've uh, we've lost Eduardo. Robin van Persie still out. Uh, Theo Walcott um, scored two goals against Aston Villa. His first league goals, and uh, in one way, in one way, perhaps the fact that uh, the focus wasn't on his two goals might not be a bad thing for him, and that the hype machine doesn't start again. He can just get his head down and get on with it. Would you fancy him to start up front? Or uh, well, he's not going to start up front, is he? But would you fancy him to? To, to get some more goals between now and the season, the end of the season. <laughs> well, I think the first thing I'd like—I like Theo Walcott, um, and he is very, very young. Let's be honest. But the first thing I'd like is for one of his purple patches to last a little longer than twenty-seven minutes or something. <laughs> which is because because we have a horrible habit of going right. He's made that breakthrough. Now he's going to kick on. And you know, he's only—he's only human. Um, I think it was, it's good for him in a way that his his goals were were kind of smothered by everything else. That went on because he's someone who suffers from that in ridiculous overhyping. Yeah, and he's a he's a by all accounts a very amiable, nice guy, and he just wants to get on and learn his trade. And uh, but every time he you know every time he does something right, you know it's the the, the coming of the Messiah basically. So um, he will be important. Better, crucial is Bentner and Adebayor. I mean, we don't really know how. Um, Oh, I, I certainly don't know what their relationship is like. Footballers who don't like each other can play together. That's fine. Uh, showing them and Andy Cole at Man United being an example. But um, we really can't have any egos coming into it between now and the end of the season. And I think thus far, there haven't been in this side. It's been a very united side. By the looks of it. All right. Uh, stick your neck out. Tell me, can we get three points against Villa? I never, ever... Uh, do anything like that as, as anyone who knows me will say <laughs> that is the immediate um, curse of death okay well then we'll, we'll forget um, it then <laughs> yeah I think man you will win at Fulham and I think all we need to worry about is our own performance because I think we have to yeah, uh, just keep just try to get back on track stay focused and put it all behind us good player thanks very much thank you very much in this traffic chaos on the M4 due to an overturned truck full of piglets. They're all over the bloody road. Anyway, we'll have more traffic in an hour. Thank you, token Australian traffic girl. We will have more traffic in an hour's time. Welcome back to Talkside Radio. Today, obviously, the main talking point is the injury sustained by Eduardo de Silva and the terrible, terrible overreaction by Arsenal Football Club, its management, its fans and its players. When will these people realise that a tackle like that is just part and parcel of the British game? If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And if you can't stand having your leg fractured so your bones sticking out and there's blood everywhere and you may never walk again, let alone play football, well then you better get off the football pitch. That's all I'm saying. With me in studio now to discuss this incident is Sun journalist John Howard. John, welcome to the programme. Oh, well, thanks very much for having me on. Once again, we're talking about Arsenal Football Club, John, and they really are a disgrace. Nobody's thinking about the real victim here, Martin Taylor. How do you think he feels having been portrayed as some kind of villain? He's a good old-fashioned footballer. Get stuck in. It's not his fault that these crozillions, as they're so-called, have such brittle bones. Well, to me... The Eduardo situation doesn't even bear talking about anymore because footballers, yes, it's an injury, but they can be replaced. 
Well, I like to talk about is William Gallas up the other end of the pitch, kicking advertising holdings. What sort of an example is that to set the young kids that are watching football? Yeah. Couldn't agree more, John. And what about Arsene Wenger after the game calling for a life ban for Taylor? Well, it's all very French, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. And we should expect much better from Arsene Wenger. To be fair to the Arsenal manager, he did retract it almost immediately afterwards. Well, you should know by now that facts are pretty much irrelevant to anything. Now, if he'd said a life ban for William Gallas, you wouldn't hear me arguing. Once again, the voice of reason, John Howard from The Sun. Thank you very much for your time. This is Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls on the topic of whether or not Eduardo and his brittle bones should be banned for two years from the game for causing such mental distress to Martin Taylor. Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. Oh, those talk shite pundits. What a laugh a minute they are. And thanks as well to Good Player from goodplayer.com. He'll be back on another Arscast in the near future, no doubt. Now, all that's really left to do is talk about the Aston Villa game uh, tomorrow. It's going to be an interesting one. There's obviously a lot of expectations surrounding this game, not only because it's it's three points that Arsenal really need, but maybe it's not a season-defining game, but we'll have to see how Arsenal react to what's happened uh, last week, the uh, injury to Eduardo, and obviously the dropping of two points late on, allowing Manchester United to cut the gap uh, to three points uh, at the top of the table. Is the pressure going to be on Arsenal? Are we going to crack? Is this young team not ready uh, to win a title? When you think about it, there's only two players in the team, Colo Toure, who's had injured, and William Gallas, who have gone through these uh, last games of the season and won titles. Jens Lehmann obviously is on the bench. So there's not a great deal of experience. However, you could look at it from a positive point of view as well, that maybe in recent weeks we haven't been playing the kind of football that uh, we did at the start of the season and up until Christmas and uh, indeed up until the second half of, of the Aston Villa game at Villa Park. Sometimes something like this, can consolidate a squad, can galvanize them, can give them the belief, the motivation, the togetherness that they need to go through until the end of the season. It is a cliche, this win it for Eduardo thing. It is absolutely a cliche, but it's true. And it's a cliche because it's true. It's a cliche. You see, a stricken teammate can provide that extra motivation. Uh, the boys as well can't, can't have been blind to the media reaction. Uh, uh, and the reaction of some of the so-called experts in football um, regarding the incident and regarding what happened with Gallas and regarding what happened with Eduardo and and how quickly they were to shift the focus from the injury onto Arsene Wenger and onto the the histrionics of Gallas at the end of the game. So they can't have been unaware of that. So as I said on the blog during the week, not so much a case of nobody likes us, we don't care, but nobody likes us, go fuck yourselves. Uh, we're going to win the title now, you see. In terms of team news, obviously uh, injuries to the strikers. Eduardo's out, Van Persie is still out. Uh, I'd be surprised to see him back uh, this weekend anyway. Um, 
Theo Walcott, after his two goals, will be, of course, uh, full of confidence. And they'll have done him a, a lot of good, I think, those two goals. Uh, he will continue on the right-hand side uh, in the absence of the suspended Abue. Now it's time to be at home with Emmanuel Abue. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my home. I am Abue. Abue likes sitcom. Top three of boys hit come. Number one. Some mothers do have them. Oh, Betty. Number two. Seinfeld. A boy wants slappy bass solo every time a boy go a different place. Number three of boys hit come. A boy like to go a place where everybody know a boy name. Cheers. One day a boy going to glass Cliff Clavin. You go now. Tune in next week for more At Home with a Boy. Oh, baby. Abu Dhabi uh, should be back, according to the boss, but Thomas Rosicki is still out with uh, hamstring problems. No real surprise, I suppose. Colo uh, Toure out as well. So it's going to be interesting. Aston Villa, they're a good team. They're capable of scoring goals, particularly from set pieces. They're going to be a big, big threat. We're going to have to be uh, on our toes there. Uh, but three points, absolutely the order of the day to get our title challenge back on track, to put what happened at Birmingham behind us and to show everybody that this is a team that's going to go all the way this season. Fingers crossed. Uh, I've got everything crossed. Everything. Yes, I mean everything. Anyway, that's about it for this week's Arscast. Uh, I'll talk to you again on next week's and, of course, all next week on the blog. So until then, take it easy. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Tony Adams here with another poem for the Arse Blog. Obviously, this week our focus is on injuries after what has happened to Eduardo. You might remember that I also have had experience of broken bones, mostly from the time when I dropped Steve Morrow and their less publicised incident when I ran over Paulidison's spine with a steamroller. Anyway, the poem goes a little bit like this. Oh, Eduardo, your leg is all broke but that's a no-go. Martin Taylor, I wish you was a tailor, because the buttons have come off my best shirt. Thank you very much. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 